Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Proverbs 31. In the news recently, there was a story where a man pulled out a gun and shot another man on the freeway. I can't remember if it was L.A. or even right there in Phoenix. But he did it because the, the, the guy was driving too slow and, and he got outraged and, and he pulled out his gun and shot and killed the guy. That same week that I read that, I read, didn't read, I heard on the radio another story where another man killed another fellow. I don't know where it was at, but it was in a fast food joint because he was taking too long to order. So they got into a a fight and that fight broke out with him shooting and killing him in the store because he was taking too long to order. Now such tragedies like this are not isolated incidents and stories in our day, unfortunately. They're not isolated. It's not like it just happens over here or over there. No, it is, you can find it everywhere, unfortunately. And there is something desperately missing. And there's one thing missing that I want to highlight today that God help us. If it ends up missing up in here, we're in trouble. And that is what I want to preach on. That is the law of kindness. Proverbs, everybody. 31, just one verse of scripture, verse 26. It says, she opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. Father, we thank you this morning, God, for your goodness, for your grace. God, we so desperately need you. I'm asking for supernatural grace to speak as I ought. God, please carry this message, God, beyond my ability. Minister to men and women, boy and girl. Arrest us, God, with your word and conviction. Change us from glory to glory. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Say amen. The law of kindness. Kindness, by definition, is the quality of being friendly, generous, or considerate. Kindness, let me talk to you first about the forgotten quality. Galatians 5 and verse 22 says these words. Listen carefully. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. But he says kindness. This is fruit birthed by the Spirit of God. You with me? This is fruit birthed by God's Spirit. Kindness. It is the desire to help. It is the desire to hold the door. It is the desire to literally lift a burden. It is found in the willingness of to carry a load or unload the baggage for someone else. It finds expression in its offers. 
Are you with me? It finds its expression in what it offers. It's the offer of assistance. It is the offer of sympathy. It's the offer of compassion. Kindness needs no reward. It doesn't need recognition. Kindness doesn't need to be compelled. It doesn't need to be coerced or forced into action. Kindness has roots deeply embedded in the soil of love. Listen to his scripture. First Corinthians chapter number 13 and verse four, which we know very well, but bear with me. It says love suffers long. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, love never fails. Now, we know this is the characteristics of God. As the scripture says, God is love. So this is his portfolio, if you would. This is the character of the God that we serve. And these are the characteristics of love. Yet where there is kindness, many, if not every single one of these traits will be found. You with me? Because they are not competing plants in the same soil. My wife is doing all this gardening and oftentimes she's listening to all these guys talk about what plants and this plant and that plant and this and that. Can you believe she's gardening in Arizona and she's doing it and we're eating the stuff. It's crazy. So she's doing all this garden. And one of the things the guy says is they say, you know, you can have this plant and this plant in the same pot because they will not compete their roots will not compete for the nutrients. They actually work together, a citrus plant and, and this type of herd or this one and that one. They work together and bloom together and help each other. In essence, they complement each other. That's what love and kindness do. They are literally like twins in one pot. They complement and encourage each other's growth. Love suffers long. So does kindness. Love does not envy, neither does kindness. Love does not seek its own, neither does kindness. Love is not provoked, thinks no evil, bears and hopes and believes all things. Beloved, so does kindness. They are twins. When you see one in operation, you will see the other in some arena at work. You will always find these two walking together. Undeniable. Are you with me? Kindness has no ulterior motives. Kindness does. In other words, you don't. It's not expressing kindness to get anything. There's no behind the back. Well, I'll do this. They'll do that for me. No, 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 no. None of that is there. Kindness does what it does. Because it can, and it should, and it does it with, quote, unquote, love. Everyone's like, okay, we're going somewhere, trust me. Let me ask, why do you do what you do? 
What are you looking for? Years ago, I was pastoring in Raleigh. And God checked my motives. The Bible says the word of God is quick. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Judging the intents and attitude, motives, and thoughts of your heart. God's word. Here I am pastoring my fourth church. Things are going really well in the church. But God, in a moment in my own private time, checked my motives. And I'm talking about deep checking. God asked me that question. I just asked you, why are you doing what you're doing? Here I'm a pastor. Why was I laboring? Why was I witnessing? Why was I convincing people to come to my church? Now, on the surface of that, you and I, we can answer that question real easy. But, folks, I'm not a surface man. I need this to be deep, and God is digging deep into me. Why am I doing? And I had to sit there for a moment and admit to God, more than anything else and everything else, it was literally rooted in my desire to see my church grow. It was rooted in my desire to see people added to my church. It was rooted in my desire to see an established fellowship church in a city where there are couples that say yes to the will of God, yes to the purposes of God, yes to the call of God, and want and desire to do for God. Now that sounds great. Come on, say amen. That sounds great. I got to move this thing. I'm sorry. I hate it. And so it sounds good. It sounds like, yeah, man, that's, that's exactly what we're after. But see, it's deeper than this, at least for this guy. So when things went awry, how many know that happens? When things don't go how we want them to go. When things are not always perfect. Because we live in an imperfect world. I found myself getting very grieved and disappointed. And God said, why? This is where all this comes from. Why are you so upset? Why are you so disappointed? I'm talking soul searching questions here. Not from my pastor or my brother. From God. Why are you upset? The Bible says the spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord searching. The inner depths of his heart. Even my acts of kindness were tainted by my desire for my ministry. Mm -hmm. And God had to help me get out of that. And that was not easy. Because it seems like it's such a, a great desire. But see, God said, I will build my church. And here I am. I leave that frustration to him. It's my job to just bear fruit, whether it's coming on the branches or not. But when it's not there, I get frustrated. And God's like, what's your problem? It took some soul searching. And it took a lot of time on my knees. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, kindness has no ulterior motive. To be kind to someone is not just trying to get them to come to your church here. Hello, somebody. Kindness seeks the best for others. 
Kindness has traveling companions. You know what they are? Compassion and empathy. You find genuine kindness and you will always experience these two, compassion and empathy. Compassion is the concern for another. Empathy is what causes a man or a woman to feel the hurt of another. Kindness moves them both together into series of actions that you can feel the hardship and challenge of another, the trial and the weight that is carried by another man, another woman. Hebrews 13 and verse 3 says, remember the prisoners. And then he says, as if chained with them. Remember them is one thing, but then to remember them and feel the chains is another. Kindness. It says, I can and I will do something for them. Kindness. I almost destroyed this in Alonzo's life years ago. He probably don't remember it. Maybe he does. We're both um, in the church here, and I just take a moment to tell the story. We were both at work in, in Norfolk, and there was a, an African guy that kept using Alonzo. And Alonzo was a new convert at that time. I'd been saved maybe a year, a uh, year and some change. He'd been saved maybe six months or so. And so this guy, Alonzo, uh, was just generous. He'd just give, 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 give. He was just so grateful. Um, if you guys knew Alonzo before, you would realize the depth of, of, of what he had been saved from. I knew it firsthand. I saw the miraculous. Um, and his heart was just enlarged. And whatever Alonzo had, he just gave away. Just how he was. Didn't need nothing. He was just so grateful to be saved. And so there's one African guy. It just seemed like this guy was just constantly taking advantage of him. I can't remember his name. The short African guy, third class petty officer. And uh, one day, he did it again and again and again. And one day, Alonzo's out there working on his car, and his problem was his battery was bad. Do you remember that? Maybe not. His battery was bad. And, and Alonzo said, yeah, yeah, you need a battery. And so the guy says, oh, man, I ain't got no money, you know, blah, blah. And he went through that. And Alonzo said, I'll get it. And Lonzo went and bought this battery, put it in his car. The guy gets in his car, drives off, and that's the end of it. We get in the car, Lonzo and I, for the whole ride home, I'm like, Lonzo, man, you got to quit. And I'm just, I'm mad because I can see this guy. And all the way home, Lonzo, yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, Chase, man, he just need a battery. I said, yeah, but he needs something every week, and he uses you like his piggy bank, but he's a third-class petty officer. Hey. Let him buy his own battery. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I said, man, Lonzo, I'm telling you, he's using you. And Lonzo said these words to me. He said, yeah, it's kind of hard to use me if I'm willing to give it to him. I don't know. He, don't, he probably don't remember, but I'm telling you, that stuck with me. And when I got home, God slapped me upside my head, convicted me so bad because that's called a gift. It's called a gift of giving. You hear what I'm saying? It's a gift of giving. That he gives without the thought of getting anything in return. It's just a gift. You can't take it. You can't use it. You can't manipulate it if he's willing to allow God to use that gift. And I dare say there's people in this church who no doubt experienced that gift. There's people you've lived with them. There's people he has given to. There's people he's helped you with your car. We're talking on a man who's got a gift that gives it. And I was about to destroy that gift. Hello, somebody. Kindness says, I can, and I will do something. 
They said, now I don't care your political persuasion. I can care less. And you might get upset with what I'm going to say, but you know what, folks? I don't really care. I do care, but don't care. How's that sound? They say defund the police. And they began a nationwide assault upon men and women that are donning the uniform every day. They began ambushing them. They began taunting them and getting in their face. They began getting fake weapons and different things and pulling them out, hoping they would overreact and do what they were doing and shot and killed and hurt and maimed. Every time there's any occurrence, they broadcast it big time and make it seem like every single police officer is a wicked, perverse, racist, bigot, ungodly, ingrate, needs to be destroyed. Go and kill them. Take their resources. And what they have done is they have took away that person's personal wits to fight for themselves. And it produced an overwhelming fear inside of them as their mayors and top cops and officials literally turned on them nationwide. They're getting shot and killed just sitting in a car. They're getting ambushed in neighborhoods. People are calling the cops. They come because that's what they do. They come and as soon as they get there, it's an ambush. They jump out and shoot and kill them. Mobs of them burn up their cars and on and on. We can go on and on because they said defund the police. Well, I'm preaching revival. Yuma, Arizona. I'm with Pastor Zebel in his truck. We're in the drive-thru. A police car pulls up on the other side. Didn't go through the drive-thru. Pulls up on the other side and the Two cops get out of the car. Another cop car comes around on the other side. They get out. They're just coming to get a cup of coffee. Now, I don't know how you guys know, but a lot of times they go get a cup of coffee and they get stuff added to their coffee. And so he lifts up a little compartment in his truck and inside of the truck probably had 20, 25 Starbucks gift cards. We're in the drive through. We're waiting. He already ordered. He puts up his car, his truck in in a uh, park. I don't know what he's doing. He's I'll be right back. I'm like, where's it going, man? I drive through, man. Where's it? He jumps out of his truck, grabs two of those um, gift cards, uh, walks over to them. I just see him nodding. I give him one. I give. He gives the other one one. The cop pats him on the shoulder. He says, God bless you. I can tell that. He gets back in his car. He puts his seatbelt on, goes forward, and says, they deserve at least a cup of coffee. That is kindness. You hear what I'm saying? They don't know him. He don't know them. This is the quality of being friendly, being generous and considerate. And when a person experiences this kindness, it touches them deeply. You hear what I'm saying? Those cops will never forget this. They didn't know if they should. They didn't know. Hey. And he just gives him a gift card. God bless you. Thank you for your uniform and your service. And that right there touches them deeply. Are you with me? Okay. So let me talk to you about the challenge of kindness. Kindness is not dead. It's just harder to find genuinely today. It used to. In all the news outlets that are filled with hate, anger, thefts, lies, and violations, used to at the end of of the broadcast day, they would have one act of random kindness per, you know, on the show to close it out. But I'm telling you, it's harder to find these acts of random kindness today. 
Galatians 5 says uh, in verse 22, the fruit of the spirit is. And then it says kindness. To be kind to the unkind. Is who God is. To be kind, considerate, generous, friendly to the unkind is who God is. The very people that placed the nails through his hands and feet, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Feel that. While you and I were yet still sinful and ungodly, Christ died in our place. Feel that. The Bible says he causes it to rain on the just and the unjust. Kindness hasn't died, but in our world, where violence is applauded, social unrest is there, hateful words where mobs are initiated to cause mass confusion and great hysteria, where the violence breeds brokenness and massive assaults and chaos, unbridled fury of man on public display and no conscience to men, women, boys, and girls, stores, Towns, cities that now lay in wake, in the wake, I should say, of the ashes of their fury and hatred. Where leaders are intimidated and say nothing because they fear it will result in a loss in their vote later in life. I'm telling you, in this atmosphere, kindness has certainly diminished. It's been shelved. And even when you want to, you have to factor the misinterpretation of that kindness. You have to factor in what that mob will say, cancel culture or whatever, how they will compute out um, how one act may affect your entire family. One act may affect your job, uh, may affect the, you know, uh, uh, your mental capability uh, to perform in life because the postings that will be online that may affect your ability to walk outside freely. One act of kindness. Here's a story of the professor who said, listen, I'm for the, he's a, a law professor in Miami just, a, I don't know, two weeks ago. He, he put on his own personal Facebook account, I am for the Second Amendment. I'm for the rights of a baby in the womb. And uh, he goes to work the following day and he's got his entire uh, 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 staff up up against him and they're telling him you will his his superintendent or the dean of the school said you will post an apology first of all and you will tell everyone that you're sorry and he goes through a long list of things that he has to do and then he said and you might be able to keep your job what we're talking about is he has no right to say anything There's a story of the man. I don't know if you heard this story. I heard it. This is what stirred this sermon. It bothered me so bad. That night I was preaching a, a revival and we were eating dinner. And a guy told me about the story of a man who, uh, who, who uh, the police officer kicked down the wrong door, shot the, the wrong man. The guy comes out, shoots him and kills him. Wrong door, wrong house. And so, you know, as a, as, as, as a Christian man, you know, and she kills him, bow, and the guy dies. And so they're in, they're in, she's being sentenced, she's already been judged 10 years. 
She's going to go to jail for 10 years. And the, 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 the brother of that uh, man that she shot asked the judge, can I say something? The judge said, yes. So he stands up and he just simply says, I just want to say the pain is real. I'm feeling it and it's hard. But I just want you to know I forgive you. Obviously, I didn't watch the video, but there's brokenness. The, the woman obviously, no doubt, is weeping. She's broken. He said, listen, I just want to let you, I forgive you. I know you didn't do it. My listeners about blah, 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 blah. And, and, he's, and, and she's broken. He's broken. He looks at the judge, says, can I give her a hug? The judge looks up and says, yes. He walks over, gives this woman a hug. The judge, I understand, walks over and gives this woman a Bible. So I typed that up to see if I can find it. I was going to show you the clip. But all of the stuff that I found after that, article after article, one act of kindness rooted in compassion and deep understanding in the midst of his own pain. And all of the sudden there is a tsunami of hurled insults against him. Story after story, person after person opining in, bringing a wave of over-emotional, race-baiting hoodlums in suits and computer keys behind dark closet doors, typing all kinds of stuff against him. Why? Because he dared to express this fruit. Where this used to be a wow moment, like your pastor just said. Like, uh, it used to be like, man, look at that, man. Wow, this is a, a moment that would people would see and it would jerk tears out of their eyes. An act of kindness that ended the day's worth of evil somehow. That act went down as another evil done under the sun. Now, I want to ask you tonight, what does that accomplish? Because I'm trying to take you somewhere so you can see how deep this is. What does this accomplish? What does that kindness do? Well, for the woman who was locked up, that kindness meant the world. That was her last touch of any human outside the prison cell. She's going in feeling, even though she's going to pay her crime for her crime, she's going, I have the weight of it being lifted. She can at least go in and know that I am forgiven by the family that means the most. And, and you know, yeah, it was a mistake, and she blew it. She's going to have to pay her time. Yeah, yeah, but at least uh, there is this pardon from people that she goes in, clink, clink, uh, she lives inside the prison. She is forgiven, but outside, the challenge of that one act of kindness was administered to a woman that was reeling, a woman that was under condemnation, a woman that has had her life turned upside down because of a horrible mistake, wrong house, wrong person, she shot, he died, but that act of kindness at least gave her a moment in her torment to feel at least the love of another human being, coupled with that, the rush of the love of God, that that judge gave her a Bible that says, I think no evil. Folks, listen to what I'm saying. But the backlash he received, this is the issue, and this is what I'm after. Because she went to start 10-year prison sentence. But he now, he has to live outside in the world with fools, if you would, that couldn't handle what he did. That couldn't compute out the depth of what he had done. People that never obey the law of kindness themselves. 
are now judging the one who did. So this is the problem. Because the next time he feels that same impulse to express that kindness, he's going to think twice before he offers it. He may not even obey the impression that is within him. So the next person who should receive that kindness, that quality of being friendly, considerate, and generous, may never get it. And that might be the one thing that would cause a person to lean right into the kingdom of God. One act of kindness produced by the spirit of God in a man has now been clipped off. And the person who should be the recipient in the depth of their own need of that kindness doesn't get it. And that is the challenge of kindness. Are you with me today? All right, let me close with obeying the law. Are you a kind person? Everything I just said. Are you kind? Not because you're going to get some. Are you kind? Jesus teaches in Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes. You have heard it said. Then he says, but I say to you. And listen to what he had to say. 543 of Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 5. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. I wrote this sermon a week and a half ago, preached it in a church. It's got a lot of ex-gangsters and ex-gangster girls in it. And when I read this part, one of the ex-gangster girls got upset. Huh, who can do that? I said, that's the point, sister. You can't without Christ. It's not in us. This is fruit birthed by his spirit, not yours. We can each testify as to the difficulty we have with that scripture. Love your enemy? Talk to me. Well, I just love them. They just, I just love them. They just, I love it when they smack me. Really? It's not easily done. I dare say it's almost impossible unless his spirit birthed in us helps us. Peter said we are partakers of his divine nature. Now that is in reference to this text, 2 Peter 1.3, as his divine power is given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Divine power helps us in this life and godliness. This means he gives us ability to do what we cannot do on our own naturally and in the flesh and blood. Galatians 5 states that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, kindness. Born and produced in us through his spirit, not through man. Not through your dad, your mom, not through social skills, not through classes on, you know, and courses in psychology and the study of the mind. No, no, no. 
John 1 and verse 12, but as many as received him to them, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of a man, but of God. Listen to Jesus continue this beatitude. Verse 45, he says that you may be sons of your father in heaven. Don't misconstrue what this is saying. That you and I may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Brothers and sisters, this is not easy. And there comes a time within us where we feel that undeniable impulse and compulsion deep down inside to be kind. You feel it deep on the inside to be friendly. You feel it deep on the to be generous, not for an offering. You feel it deep to be considerate. You know what it's like? I tell you what it's like. It's like passing the speed reduced sign on a lonely highway. You're rolling at 65 and it says Speed reduced. And then it comes and says, speed reduced to 45, but nobody's around. You might not obey it. Are you with me? You might just keep on rolling and just ignore the sign. But I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, it is the law. You have to immediately choose when you see that sign if you're going to obey it or not. You have to immediately uh, choose, am I going to hit the pause? Am I going to come off cruise? Am I going to slow down or not? It doesn't matter whether you, you think you should or not. It is the law. When we feel that internal impulse to be kind, to help someone struggling under the load of life, struggling with their burden, to walk an extra mile, You feel that weight to to listen to the worries and burdens of someone else when that impulse is there. I'm telling you, it's God in us trying to produce this fruit of kindness in our lives. Let me tell you what you do. Just obey the law. And everyone will say, well, brother, can you break that down? No, I can't break it down. But you know exactly what I'm talking about. When we do obey that, we change by the effects of kindness on others. Someone said showing kindness and being kind to others is just as rewarding as receiving it from someone ourselves. You soon want and desire to offer this fruit to others willingly. It's not because you're on the clock, you're some ER doctor or police officer or EMS worker. Proverbs 18, 24 says, a man has friends, must himself be friendly. Did you observe the must? That if we would have friends at some point in our life, we must have first been friendly. Kind people always have genuine friends that surround their life. Kind people 
have genuine people that genuinely care that surround their lives. The latter part of that verse says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And there's a lot of theology surrounding that. People say that's the Lord, that's this, that, and the other. But I beg to differ. It's making a statement that there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. There is kindness that is more genuine than a blood tie. My kids call Pastor Dillard grandpa. And they don't say that haphazardly or just flippantly. They say that with all the intent of that word and what it means. He is my grandpa. We're talking about something deep. Jesus. He said, give and it shall be given. Pressed down, shaken together and running over shall. Man, may be caused a man would give into your bosom, the scripture says. Do you know what that reference is? It's not necessarily money as we often hear it. But it's in benevolence. It's in kindness. Listen to the scripture before. Listen. Luke 6, 27. Love your enemies. And I'm closing. I want you to hear this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. From him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. That is the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you want done to yourself, right? Then he states, if you're kind to them who are kind to you, what credit is that to you? He said, if you give to them and expect to get it back, what credit is that to you? Then he adds, even sinners do this. See, folks, listen to what I'm saying. Even with God's spirit in us, we struggle right here. If we do that, he says, it shall be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. In other words, if we obey the law of kindness, we will be offered that same unbelievably sweet fruit from the hand of another person in your life. You'll be surrounded by kind people. Let me ask again, are you kind? Are you kind? Sir, ma'am, boy, girl. Are you kind? Let me give an example and then I'm finished. Rahab the harlot in Joshua chapter 2. Nothing else to do but show kindness. I'm not going to linger with the entirety of the story. But you know, Jericho, the entire town is filled with fear and dread. She has the same fear, the same dread as everyone else in the entire city. When the spies came to her, she could have said, they're right there, they're right there. But she didn't. Instead, Without any guarantee, she obeyed that impulse that no doubt she had immediately impressed upon her. She showed kindness. 
Joshua chapter 2, verse 12, and here's what it says. Now, therefore, I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you also will show kindness. Listen, to my father's house, give me a true token, spare my father, mother, brothers, sisters, and all they have, and deliver our lives from death. Her and her whole house were saved by one act of kindness. Feel that. And the spies were committed to return the favor. And they convinced the whole army of Israel to be kind to this one woman. And she became one of four women spoken in the lineage of Christ. See, the hallmark of a kind person is they are surrounded by men and women, boys and girls that are kind. Can I ask who surrounds your life? Backbiting, mean, gossiping people. You know, it's hard to stay upset and angry with a kind person. Their kindness literally heaps coals upon our disobedience to obey that law of kindness ourselves. Now, we can stand more of this fruit in this angry generation today. We can stand, God help us. We need more of this. Proverbs 31 simply teaches the characteristics of a virtuous woman. The Bible says this is one who is to be praised. And then it says something that is on her lips. Proverbs 31, 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her lips or her tongue is the law of kindness. How about that? How about that, sir? Well, that's for women. No, this is a characteristic. We're talking about an attribute of virtue, a virtuous attribute, I should say. So this should be in us as well. It's not just the wife, but the husband. It's the whole family, the, the man, the wife, the children. What about you, young folks? What about it? John of the Cross, he writes these words, and I finish. Christians should always remember that the value of good works is not based on their number and excellence, but on the love of God which prompts him to do such things. The value is on God prompting us to be kind. It's not on what you've done and if you're going to get something out of this, no, no, no. The value is that we've obeyed the law and it pleases God. And with that, we are literally producing this fruit, the law of kindness. Let me ask you one more time as we bow our heads. Are you kind? Are you kind? Let's bow our heads this morning. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.